I just love how you guys love Jesus. I, you, you really are treasuring the treasure. I mean, I, I went to your meeting um, last night for about 45 minutes, so, uh, and you know, over in the student center. Oh my goodness, I heard you guys stayed there till midnight. Wow. Wow, when I was in college, if we were up to midnight, it wasn't praying and worshiping the Lord. And what a cool thing to see. I mean, you, when, when you just do that, that's what John Wesley and those guys did. You know, they were up there late at night and giving it all for Jesus. And God blesses that. He really does. He blesses those who seek him. What a joy is that you are treasuring the treasure. And Jesus is the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen. You're worshiping community. I'd like to take all of you back to Hayward with me. Could, could you come with me tomorrow? Would you do that? We'd kind of overload the airplane, but I, I think it would just be awesome. Well, I mentioned um, that our job is to treasure the treasure. Jesus is the greatest treasure the world has ever seen, and we are to, tre to treasure him back. And we treasure him back through worship, through, through holiness, and then through mission, just moving forward to bring his love into the world. Because, see, holy love, it, it just overflows the banks. It, it just goes beyond the bounds. Holy love cannot be contained. If it's contained, it's not really the love of Jesus. I mentioned yesterday that worship automatically translates into holiness. It, it has to, or it's not real worship. But holiness automatically flows out into mission. If it doesn't, it's not real holiness. You're just being a holy huddle. And that's not real holiness at all. That's just being self-absorbed. And so Jesus, his mission in this world is to go and to seek and to save the lost. The lost, the broken, and the hurting. You see, if Jesus is the greatest treasure the world's ever seen, then the question is, what does he treasure? What does he treasure more than anything else? Because whatever he treasures, that's what we ought to treasure too, if our hearts beat with his, right? What does Jesus treasure? And the answer starts with P and ends with E and rhymes with steeple. It's people. People. He treasures us, particularly lost, broken, hurting people. And that would include all of us because all of us have been or are lost, broken, and hurting in one way or another. And Jesus goes out and he looks for his lost, broken, hurting treasures. He seeks them out. So we ought to look at them like that too. We, have, we need to see them that way. So a lost person is not a lost cause. They're a lost treasure. And our job is to go out. You see, if, if they're a lost cause, we'll just write them off. So that's those people. In fact, people say that to me sometimes. Pray for my neighbor. He's so lost. And they're writing the neighbor off. But if, if the neighbor is a lost treasure rather than a lost cause, we're not going to write them off. We're going to seek them out. That's what we're called to do. Now, let's go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Just amazing how in this one little psalm that was written by David that's found in 1 Chronicles 16 that it contains all three of these ideas of, of worship and holiness and mission. And I'll just pull up some mission verses from the, the passage we've been going over the last few times together. Okay, if, starting in verse 8. Give thanks to the Lord... And call on his name and make known among the nations what he has done. Verse 23, sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation. There it is. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous deeds among the people. Do you see it? That when we love Jesus and, and then he fills our hearts with his love, that it overflows in holy love for others. And that's called evangelism. Now, Becky Pippert said, Christians and non-Christians have one thing in common. They're both uptight about evangelism. In fact, there are a lot of people that don't like the idea of evangelism. In fact, even when I say that word, you have like break out into hives and you have heebie-jeebie, oh no. Because what you imagine in your, in your head is like trying to corner people and, and pound them with the Bible and, or maybe television evangelism. Send me your seed faith gift, you know, and stuff like that. And so, uh, you know, nobody wants to be like that. Nobody wants to be abrasive and, and, and you know, just, ugh, you know. So... But, but there's a different way to look at it. And if you have 
an aversion to evangelism. It's because you misunderstand evangelism. You don't know really what it is. The word evangelism comes from the Greek word euangelion. And that word means gospel. Gospel. So in my Greek New Testament, it says euangelion of Matthew, euangelion of Mark, euangelion of Luke. Do you guys know what the word gospel means? Yeah, good news, good news. But, but let me just ramp that up a little bit, all right? Because it's easy to say the gospel means good news. It's not just good news. I mean, it's, it's mega, wonderful, fabulous, better than the best news you ever heard news. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's like better than when your favorite team won the World Cup or, or, or when your, the Green Bay Packers win the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen this year. But uh, when that happened, it was better than great news in Hayward. Have you ever had any euangelion moments, those better than great news moments, when something just so wonderful happened to you that you just went, yeah, you know, jump up and down and shout, yippee kind of news? You ever had that in, in your life? Like, I, I, we've had lots of those in our family and in, in our life. But there's this one uh, story that kind of illustrates the idea of jump up and down and shout, yippee news, better than great news, that euangelion. It was years ago, our kids were all little, and it was, I, we were trying to survive on a one-income salary, and it was a pretty meager pastor's salary at that. We had five little kids, and, and, and you know, our kids were growing, but uh, the grocery budget was growing, but my salary wasn't growing with it, and, and it was pretty tough. I mean, we just had some really hard challenges with our budget, trying to make ends meet. And, and one day, uh, Kathy's going through the line at the Marketplace grocery store, and she sees this sign that says, there's going to be a grocery contest, a drawing for a year's worth of free groceries. And every time you check out, you put your name in the box, and there will be this one day where they're going to pull out the thing, and whoever's name's drawn out, they get a whole year's worth of groceries. And you know what Kathy started doing? She started praying to win those groceries. I know because I caught her. I caught her in the act of winning a year's supply of groceries. I kind of made fun of her about that. I said, oh, that's silly. You don't pray to win groceries. That's like praying to win the lotto or something. That's just, you don't pray for stuff like that. But she, she didn't listen to me. She just kept on praying. On the morning of the drawing, it was a Sunday morning, all right? And so our family were all gathered around the kitchen table having breakfast before I'm going off to church. And so I said, honey, would, would you return thanks for our meal? She goes, I sure will. She goes, Lord, thank you for this food and bless us in our church service today. And God, I just want to remind you that today's the day where that grocery contest is. And if it would be your will, we'd sure love to win it. And, and when she said amen, I thought, I've got a teaching moment right here in front of the kids. So, so I rebuked her just right in front of the kids. I said, no, no, listen. Listen, honey, that's not the way we do this. I said, first of all, like, what happens if, you, if, you, if we won the groceries? It would teach our kids that they could get something for nothing. And, and we want our kids to learn that you're supposed to work hard for the stuff that you got. And secondly, I don't think it's appropriate to, to pray to win grocery contests. I mean, there, there's a lot of more important things that we ought to be praying about. We shouldn't be doing that. And so she says, well, I disagree with you. I mean, right in front of the kids, she said that. She goes, I disagree with you. First of all, she goes, I'm not demanding that God do it. I'm just putting in a little request. If he says no, that's okay. But I just thought it might not hurt for me to, to you know, put in the request. And, and secondly, if we did win the groceries, it would teach our kids that God loves us and hears and answers our prayers when we need it. And, and the kid's are like, yeah, dad. And I said, huh. So I went to church in a huff. And so I'm up front and I'm giving announcements at church. And the phone rings back in the office. I, I hear the phone ringing, and, and then I, I saw one of the ushers run back and pick, grab, grab the phone. And so I, I'm giving some announcement about the women's auxiliary meeting or something. And all of a sudden, this usher comes running right down the middle aisle. This guy has a goofy grin on his face, and he's waving a little piece of paper. And he just comes interrupting my announcement. He just comes up, and he hands it to me right there. And I'm like, what is going on? And I look at him. And it says, Marketplace Grocery Store just called. Your family won the groceries. Ha! I couldn't believe it. Now that was an announcement. I'll tell you what. I mean, we've had all kinds of announcements in our church, but none like the grocery contest announcement. 
And so I announced it to the congregation. I said, you're not going to believe this. Uh, our, our family won the grocery contest. Now, everybody in the whole place, they erupted in cheers and stuff because everybody knew about the contest. It's a small town. We all shop at the same place. And they were really happy because that meant that they didn't have to give me a raise. <laughs> they cheered. Of course, some of them, um, they were kind of upset because they had been praying to win the groceries. But they were really happy that it was their poor preacher rather than some rich tourist from Minnesota or something that won the groceries. They, they were just really thrilled about that. And so it was just great. You know, I had a serious message that day, but it was really tough to preach with gravitas when you just want a whole year's supply of groceries. So... We get all done with the church service and we pack ourselves into our minivan. We made our way home and, and we go inside the house and, and the answering machine was blinking. The guy from the grocery store had called our house before he called the church. So he knew where we were. In small town, everybody knows everybody and where they are. So anyway, he, he, he called our house first. And so I punched the button. He said, hello, this is John from Marketplace Grocery Store. Congratulations, Kathy Wilson. You have won a year's supply of groceries. Now, it's kind of embarrassing to tell you what we did at that moment. <laughs> but I'll just tell you anyway. Here's what we did. All seven of us, I mean, Kathy, me, and our little kid, we, we held hands in a circle just like this. And we jumped up and down like this. And we went, we won, we won, we won the groceries, we won, we won, we won. And then Luke, you know, he's just a little tyke. I mean, just a little guy. He says, hit it again, Dad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hi, this is John from Marketplace Grocery Store. Congratulations. You just won the grocery. We won, we won, we won, we won. We did it again. We did that like six times. Well, the guy from the grocery store said, as soon as you can, please come over to the grocery store because, you know, the press is here waiting for the press. That's Terrell, the omnipresent photographer from the Sawyer County Record. <laughs> the press is here, and, 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 and we, we want to get your picture and, you know, give the presentation and stuff. Would you would come as quickly as you can? So we all piled up into to our minivan. We made our way to Marketplace Grocery Store. It was kind of funny. I mean, our kids, uh, Luke will kill me by telling you this. I mean, he was a little guy. He, he was wearing um, a Superman outfit <laughs> with cowboy boots, all right? So, <laughs> and his brother Wes was wearing a Batman outfit. So we, here we were all together, and, and we, we, we go into the Marketplace grocery store, and there they all are, and there's, there's Terrell, the the photographer, and he's taking pictures of our family, you know, we're all together, big check, you know, for your supply of grocery, Kathy Wilson's name on it. And Terrell leans over to Luke, and, and so he's trying to get, you know, a scoop on things for the newspaper, and he leans over to Luke, and he says, boy, it must be exciting for your family to win a whole year's supply of groceries. He goes, yes, it is. You know, mom prayed, but dad didn't believe it would happen. But <laughs> I'm like, shut up, kid. <laughs> a whole year supply of groceries. It was wonderful. The Lord met our need. We needed that so bad. And, and, and God just took care of it for us. And you know, in 24 years, God has never failed us. He's always supplied for us. And, and the Lord put that on Kathy's heart. He really did. When he put that on her heart, she began to pray it back is really what was going on. And, and God honored that and blessed that prayer of faith. It wasn't that Kathy manipulated God into anything. She was just agreeing with God on something he was already wanting to do and put that inside of her. But the cool thing about that, it was euanglian. It was better than great news. But let me tell you what. Jesus, the greatest treasure that the world has ever seen, is so much greater than a year's supply of groceries. I mean, that's just a thimble compared to an ocean. I mean, Jesus is the most wonderful, glorious, most powerful treasure that makes your heart jump up and down and shout, yippee! The gospel is not just an idea, and it's not a, just a form of music. The gospel is, is a treasure with nail holes in his hands. It's a personal relationship, real, genuine, personal stuff. And it's the best news that the world has ever heard. So why on earth do we hold on to that for ourselves? 
How could we possibly hoard that? And churches do that all the time. They just hoard it in and they say, well, you know, we're not an evangelism church. We're, we're more discipleship. Well, if you're a discipleship, then what that means is that your heart beats with the heart of Jesus. If you're really a disciple, you're going to have the same heart. And if you have that heart, that means you have to be an evangelist. There's no such thing as a, as a disciple of Jesus that doesn't care about lost people. If you don't care about lost people, you're not really a disciple yet. You just think you are. So when we look at this, Jesus being the greatest treasure, if you can capture that idea and that the world is lost and broken and hurting and they need that treasure and we get to be the ones to carry the treasure to them. We get to match the two treasures together, the greatest treasure and the ones that he treasures most. We get to be the bridge between the two. That's the greatest privilege on earth to be able to carry the treasure to somebody that needs it, to carry living water to somebody who's thirsty, to, to bring the diamonds and the gold, the eternal gold, to somebody that's impoverished, to bring the food to somebody who's starving. You get to do that. That's a privilege. It's not a duty and obligation. It's a joy. Oh, man, it doesn't get any better than bringing the love of Jesus to somebody that needs it. That's the greatest joy of my life. It really is. When my heart's filled up with Jesus and then I can just overflow in that to other people. That's what it's all about. I mean, period. That's what it's all about. And when you take theology class or New Testament, whatever class you take, all of that goes back to that. All of it. All of it. There's nothing else. To love God with all your heart, to love everybody and help everybody love God. Right? That's, that's what it's all about. So, we get to do this stuff, and what a privilege it is. And so I challenge you just to say a prayer and say, oh, God, use me. Use me somehow, some way to be a blessing to somebody and, and help me just to live in your love and to let that love overflow wherever, you, wherever I can. And when you do that, God will absolutely say yes to that prayer 100% of the time because he wants people to say that. He's longing for you to say that. So when, when he just, you know, pours it out, I mean, the, you, all you got to do is be open. And so you can be the channel of his blessing. It's fun to be a channel, of the bless, a channel of the blessing. It really is. Oh, man, it's cool. Like one time I had a phone call. Uh, this lady says, Pastor, could you come up and, and baptize Mama? She's in the intensive care unit, and it doesn't look like she's going to live very long. Now, in, in Hayward, where I live, we have a little hospital, but if you're sick, you don't want to be there. Uh, there's another hospital that you want to go to if you're really sick. And so it, it takes like, like about an hour and a half to get to the hospital, really. And so I make that trip almost every week. I go to, the, I go to Duluth, to the hospital. So I hopped in the car and I went to St. Mary's Hospital in Duluth. And while I was driving, I was praying. And I, I prayed for this dear woman. I didn't even know her. But, but I, I prayed, oh God, please help me to bring your love to this dear lady who's on her deathbed in the intensive care unit. She's asking to be baptized, but what she was saying really was, I want to make sure my heart is right with God. That was her way of saying it, but that's really what she wanted. And so when I went into the intensive care unit, there were uh, three daughters, growing daughters, and, and a son, and they were all gathered around her bed. She's all hooked up to wires and stuff, and beep, 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 beep. And, and so I walk in, and, and I just began to open up, you know, with, with her. And, and the Lord led it, you know. We don't have to push it in. I mean, we just follow what Jesus does. And that's what I did. I just followed the Lord. And I said, you know, you, you were saying you want to be baptized. And I am, I, I'm assuming what that means is you want to make sure that you have your peace with the Lord before you pass. Is that right? Because that's exactly what I want. Well, let me tell you how to get it. And I told her all about Jesus and how much he loved her. And, and all she'd have to do is put herself in his hands. And he would just wash away all of those regrets and all the shame and all the sin. And, and just fill her heart with his love and peace. And would you like for me to pray with you like that right now? Oh, yes, please, please do. And then I prayed with her. And she, she cried. You know, tears, that's holy water. That's what that is. And it was holy water. And she, she cried. And, and, and I, I prayed with her. And she just opened up her life to Jesus. And it was like heaven opened up. And it was so beautiful. And then she says, would you baptize me now? 
Now, normally, I dunk people in the lake. That's how I baptize people, except for in the winter in Hayward, you know. In the winter, we, we drill holes in the ice, we put a bungee cord around them, and we put them in like that. Now, I usually dunk them in the lake. But in an intensive care unit, you can't do immersion, so um, you, you do whatever. It is, the mode isn't the important thing. It's the heart that counts. And so there was some ice water there from the intensive care unit. One of those little pitchers, plastic things with ice. I thought, hey, that'll work. Holy ice water. And so I, 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 I baptized her with the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, with the ice water. And she's just weeping. And I look around, and her daughters are all crying, too. And the daughter who, call, who called me said, Pastor, could you do that for me too? And I would do what? Well, you know, pray with, just like you did with mom, exactly what you did with her. Could you do that? I need that too. And I said, sure, I'd be glad to do that with you. So I ended up praying with her and, and she's just crying and I, and I baptized her with the holy ice water. And then the second daughter, she goes, I need it too, I need it too. And so I got to baptize her too. Oh, it was so cool. The third daughter too, she wanted it too. Now, the son was a tough guy. This guy is a logger. And he's tough as nails, you know, tattoos up and down. He's standing there, he's like, yeah, I guess I need it too. <laughs> So I prayed with him and baptized him too. By the way, just a, a couple of months ago, he died. And, and I, I, I did his funeral. They asked me to do his funeral. It was just a beautiful thing that people talked about his faith. How, how wonderful, how wonderful that, that I was able to be a part of that, to help that happen. Well, anyway, I mean, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. And so I just walked into the room, followed Jesus, and he just opened up all kinds of doors. It was the coolest thing. I mean, heavens were singing. We were just rejoicing. We were all hugging each other and stuff. Oh, it was the most glorious thing. And so I, I left, and I started out the door towards the elevator, and I hear some footsteps coming up right behind me. And I turn around and look. It's one of the daughters, and she's fumbling in her purse, and she pulls out a $5 bill. She goes, preacher, preacher, here. Go have a beer on me, she said. <laughs> I'm like, whoops. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> no, no, I did. I, I didn't. I'm kidding, yeah. But as I was driving home that day, I just thought, man, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, there's just nothing more wonderful than this. To, to love lost, broken, hurting people, to love them and to bring them into an encounter with Jesus so that their hearts open up and they experience his love. There's nothing in this earth more wonderful than that. So this afternoon when we meet, I'm gonna give you some pointers. I'm gonna give you some fishing tips, if you will, about how to go out there and fish for people or, or, or treasure hunt maps about how you go out there and find the treasure. We're gonna do some real practical stuff this afternoon. But this morning, what I want to do is just kind of map out the big picture of it, okay? And basically, there are three, three prayers that I encourage you to do. If, if you want to join Jesus in his treasure hunting, and, and you want to just follow him and do his mission and let the holy love overflow to other people, all right? And, and the first one is called the I'm ready prayer. The I'm ready prayer. And it doesn't have to be exact words, but basically the idea is this. When I am ready, the Lord will send them to me. And when I'm not ready, he's not going to send them to me. I mean, why would he send his treasures to me if I'm not ready for them? That's the reason why a lot of churches have never seen a visitor in like five, six, ten years. They're not ready. Jesus doesn't want to send his treasures to them. They'd mess them up. So, so we have to be ready. And when we're ready, that's when he sends them. So, so pray a prayer like this. First thing in the morning. Lord, make me ready. And I am going to be uh, in tune with you. Prepare my heart ahead of time so that I will see the people that you send to me as a gift. And I will receive every single person you send to me today 
as a gift from your hand and help me to bring a blessing to them. Think of them as gifts. They're not intrusions, they're gifts. Now as a pastor, I'm really busy and I've got a lot of stuff on my schedule. And when I'm in the flesh, when somebody comes my way, I think of them as an interruption to what I'm about. But when I've prayed the I'm ready prayer, I think of them as a gift that God has sent to me. And there's a reason for it. And so I'm gonna speak God's blessing and his truth into that gift. Like, uh, think about Peter, for instance. This is in Acts chapter 10, Acts 10. Peter wasn't ready. He had prejudice in his heart. And, and then the Lord worked him over. You know, maybe he had a vision, had dreams and stuff, and, and, and it was about the unclean food and all that. And so finally, when he woke up, he realized, wow, I've just been wrong on this thing, and I've had prejudice in my spirit. Please forgive me. And he became ready. And then right after that, Cornelius' people came and said, could you come over, and we need to talk about this. You see, when Peter became ready, that's when the Lord opened up the doorway to Cornelius and his household. So are you ready? Are, are you ready? One day I prayed the I'm ready prayer. And I said, Lord, help me just receive him as a gift, whoever you send to me. And boy, God sent a very unusual gift that day. It was this young lady. She, she was very pregnant. I mean, she looked like she was just about ready to have her baby any second. I mean, just way out there. And, 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 and I didn't know her, but she comes waddling into my office and and she says, um, I'm looking for somebody to do my wedding. And I said, okay, well, wh when is your wedding? This Saturday. Now, this Saturday, normally I do like six months or more of intensive counseling for couples and their weddings. I mean, I run them through a battery of tests and all kinds of stuff to make sure they're compatible and all those kind of things. And, but you know what the Lord said to me? You got to break your rule this time. Remember, she's the treasure, and I'm sending her, sending her to you so you can bring blessing to her. So bless her and say yes. So I broke my rule, and I said, okay, I tell you what, we'll, we'll do that. Her, her fiancé was in the hospital at that moment having tailbone surgery. Poor guy, I mean, that's horrible to have tailbone surgery. So uh, we, we show up on Saturday at Lake Hayward, and, and she comes in this beautiful yellow dress. Somebody had given her a yellow dress and it was exactly uh, her favorite color. I mean, yellow was her favorite color. And it was the only maternity, she didn't own anything, a, a dress, a maternity dress. I mean, this gal was really I mean, way out there. <laughs> anyway, um, here she is. I mean, the Lord opened up the doorway for her to have this dress. And somebody brought her a bouquet of flowers and they were yellow flowers and they, they, they didn't talk to each other. It was her favorite color, yellow. So she has these flowers and she has her yellow dress. And I'm standing by the water's edge, you know, and, and, and they're supposed to come to me and then I'm gonna tie the knot for them. And so I'm standing there and, and they come. I mean, she's, he just had tailbone surgery, right? And she's like nine months pregnant. And, and so like they were hobbling and waddling all the way <laughs> But they, they make their way up to the front and all of a sudden right there in the wedding ceremony, she just starts bawling, just starts crying. She goes, look, look, look. And along the edge of the water, there were these yellow water lilies that had just bloomed overnight. They were absolutely beautiful, yellow flowers all the way along. And here's what she said. She said, God gave me flowers for my wedding. What I didn't tell you was that when I sat down and, and met with her, I, I said, you know, I prayed a prayer and I asked God to send me his treasures, who are somebody that he treasures today so I could bring blessing to them. And she goes, me? That I could be a treasure? I've never ever thought of myself as a treasure before. And then later she's giving praise to God for the flowers that God gave to her for her wedding. She's been coming to church now. And, and she's on her way. She's on her way. But and I don't know what's going to happen when you pray that prayer. I mean, there needs to be some interesting things and you might have to go outside your normal way of doing stuff. But when you're ready, God will send them to you. The second one is be open and God will send you to them. 
right? He'll send them, he'll send you straight to where they are if you're open. Now that's what happened to Philip in Acts chapter 8. I mean, you know, Philip was just praying this prayer, Lord, just send me wherever you want to send me, help me to have eyes to see, and, and I'll follow the nudge, and wherever it is you want to take me, that's where I'll go. And it says, the Lord sent him down the desert road. And that isn't the road he would normally go. But, but he took that road because he had the, the nudge. When you get the nudge, follow it, follow it, follow it. So he follows that nudge, and he runs into the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and so this guy's trying to study the Bible, can't make sense of it, remember? And, and, and so Philip hops in the chariot with him, explains the whole thing, and baptizes him right there on the spot. Now, what would have happened if Philip would not have followed the nudge? What would have happened? That guy would have gone on in his confusion. He would have missed the whole deal, and Philip would have missed the blessing. See, when, when you have an open heart, God will send you to them. And so maybe uh, you pray a prayer like this. Lord, I, I'm wide open here today. Send me, send me, and, and let me know. Just, just prompt my heart when, when I'm supposed to stop and to say something or, or, or show me how I'm supposed to interact with people. Can you just lead the way in this and I'll follow? I'll go right along with you. You know, when I have that kind of prayer going in my heart, every trip I take is a mission trip. Like I, I take a trip to the hardware store. It's a short-term mission trip. And I go to the grocery store. It's a mission trip. Every single time, there's blessing somewhere along. And it might be small. But my job is to bring blessing and to an encouragement and the love of Jesus right into that situation. Think about it. Think about it like that. Lord, I am open. I'm open. And so I'm going to ask you just to send me to the treasures that you have. And then the third one is is. Oh, hang on just a sec. I got to tell you a story before I go to the third one. This is an I'm open story. Um, sometimes what I do is I, I pray and I ask Jesus to give me a clue as to who it is that I'm supposed to bless. And so I say, okay, Lord, here it is. Uh, I'm open. Do you, is there anybody in particular you'd like for me to bring encouragement and blessing to? Do you have any clue for me that you can give to me? One day I was driving to a suicide funeral. I'm, I'm going to be officiating at this funeral. And I prayed that prayer. And I said, Lord, who should I bring blessing to today? And it just came to me. It was a kind of weird thing. It came to me. The woman with platinum blonde hair. I know. Okay. Uh, Lord, if I see a woman with platinum blonde hair, I'll just bring a blessing to her. So I walk into the funeral home. And I look around, and sure enough, there's this one woman with very platinum blonde hair. I mean, just it was very obvious that she's the platinum blonde-haired lady. And I'm like, oh boy, that puts me out of my comfort zone. Now, what am I supposed to do? How do I bring a blessing to the platinum blonde-haired lady um, right before I'm doing a suicide funeral? So I, well, I just, all right, take a little bit of courage here, and I just went up to her, and I, I she was sitting already. I knelt down beside her. I said, excuse me. I'm, I'm Pastor Mark, and I'm going to be officiating the funeral today. But while I was driving here, I, I, I asked God um, if, if there was anyone that needed a, a special blessing or encouragement or whatever. And, and what came to me, I know this sounds weird, but what came to me was that there was someone with platinum blonde hair that I was supposed to speak a blessing to today. And there you are. You're the one. And, and so um, I'd like to speak a blessing. Would that be all right? Well, she didn't respond very positively at that moment. She just went, okay. She said, she looked at me like I was from Mars or I had three heads or something. She, she kind of shrunk back. It was like she thought I was some weirdo or something. It was, I felt, well, I felt like an idiot. That, was, that didn't work real well. I thought when you follow the nudge, you get blessing out of it. That sure didn't feel good. But I, 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 she, she said okay, though. I mean, even though she was shrinking back, okay, she still said okay. So, so I, 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 I prayed for her, and I asked God. I said, Lord, you know what's going on, and I pray that you would bless her and encourage her. Whatever she faces in her life, just give her strength and help her, we pray. Just something like that. It was probably, I don't know, about a month later, I was at the Quick Trip gas station. I was coming up to the counter to pay for my gasoline, and the lady behind the counter says, there you are. I've been looking for you. 
And I said, what? Well, I, I didn't recognize her. She goes, do you remember this? She had a hat on. She pulls it off. Platinum blonde hair lady. Yeah, I remember you. She says, when you did that thing, that prayer thing at the funeral, that just kind of creeped me out, she said. She said, but I know now. I know why. She said, two weeks ago, my son died by suicide. He shot himself. She goes, God sent you to me to give me strength to get through this. It was just two weeks after her son had died that she and I were talking. And, and she says, um, she goes, I didn't understand it then, but that has been what has given me strength to make it day by day by day. Since then, I, I've started a, a group for survivors of suicide. I mean, people that have loved ones who died by suicide. And, and it's a grief support group for them. We've been meeting about six months now. And uh, I invited her to be a part of our group. She's not a churchy person. She, she totally, totally far from all that. She's not far from God, though, because God's right after her. He's right behind her, right there, right there. So she's not far from God. She just doesn't know it. But she started coming to my group. And, and, and I've just seen her heart opening up like a flower. I've seen it, and I thought, oh, God, thank you for giving me the courage to do that. I know I felt like a total idiot when I was doing it, but, you know, our ways are not God's ways, and his ways aren't ours, and, and sometimes you just have to stretch outside of the bubble. If you have a prompting, and it's a prompting for a blessing, then go for it. Now, you know, if it's a prompting to smack your roommate, don't do that, all right? That's the wrong kind of prompting, but, but if you have a prompting to, of, of blessing, just do it, do it. Just follow through with it. I mean, the worst that happened is you might feel like an idiot, but the best thing that can happen is it could change a person's life forever, right? So, so go for it. When you're open, God will send them to you. The third one is when you're ready, when you're ready, God will use you to make a difference, really seriously, in somebody's life, to transform a life. He will use you powerfully when you're ready. When, when, I'm sorry, when you're willing. When you're ready, open and willing is the third one. When you're willing. Be willing, and God will use you to make a difference. And this is in Acts chapter 9. Ananias, you know, this guy's just minding his own business in Damascus. He's a Christian, following Jesus. And then the Lord says, okay, I want you to go over to Straight Street, and that's where Saul is, and I want you to go say a prayer for him. Now, Saul's after Christians, trying to kill people like Ananias. Can you imagine the fear that he had to face down in order to do that? But he knew it was the right thing to do, and so he just went for it, and, and, and God used him. He said, Brother Saul, receive your sight, and boom, he was able to see, not only physically, but spiritually, and God used Ananias in a mighty way to bring conversion, really a deep down, deep-rooted kind of thing for, for Saul, who later on became the Apostle Paul. He had to overcome his fear. He had to be willing to do it. Are you willing? That's the question. Are you willing to do what God calls you to do, even if it scares you half to death? Are you willing? There was a horrible murder in our community a few years ago. This guy called himself the son of Satan. And, and he and, and a, a teenage boy that he kind of just recruited along, uh, to come along with him they, they brutally murdered this dear old lady. She was like 90-some years old in the middle of the night. They, they painted uh, 666 and pentagrams and stuff with her blood on the wall. And I mean, it was just horrible, gruesome, awful stuff. He ended up in the Sawyer County Jail. And there was a, 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 an elderly woman in my congregation. Her name's Pat. And Pat made, called and wanted to have an appointment to see me. So Pat comes into the office, and, and I say, what's going on, Pat? She goes, well, I want to know if you can ordain me as a jail minister. I said, huh? She goes, yeah, well, she goes, as I saw in the newspaper about that young man, God broke my heart for him, and God wants me to go in there and minister to him. 
Him? You? Yeah, she goes, and in fact, I already went. I already went to the sheriff's department, but they told me I had to be a jail minister in order to get in to see him. So could you ordain me as a jail minister? So I broke all the Wesleyan rules and said, yep, you're ordained as a jail minister right there. <laughs> she thinks she's ordained. You guys all have to go to four years of college for that, huh? And she just got it like that, boom. Come on up to Hayward, I'll ordain you. <laughs> no, I won't, I'm just kidding. I ordained her as a jail minister. And I prayed over her and I said, well, God bless you, Pat. Man, that's scary. And she goes, I know it is, but I've got to do it. So she went in there. I mean, they, they, they made her an official jail minister. There's a little badge and stuff with her picture and stuff on it. She has her big chocomule Bible, this little grandma. And she goes right in. And, and the guy was open to seeing her. And so they met together face to face without the window or anything because she's a jail minister. And, and she started sharing Jesus with this guy. And he opened up his life to Christ. He gave his heart to the Lord, the son of Satan became a son of God. It was unbelievable. One of, my, um, one of my assistant pastors went into the jail and baptized him. He went into work drive spiritually. The jailer, who's a member of my congregation, said, I have never seen a transformation like that uh, before. I mean, never anything like that. He's, he was the worst, surliest, nastiest inmate we've ever had. And then he became as gentle as a lamb and he's helpful and he's kind and loving. It was almost like he was full of the devil, literally. And then he became full of the Holy Spirit and everything changed from black to white, from darkness to, to, to full board day, the sunshine. Wow, wow. We, we had a baptism a while back. Joanne Lyon actually was in our community and she had helped us with the baptism. And, and we baptized Pat in a public way for him. Although we, we didn't say exactly who it was for because some of our people, they weren't thrilled. But they, wouldn't, they, they just wouldn't be thrilled about the idea that this guy murdered this woman, made, made his peace with God, and he was going to share heaven with them. They, they haven't gotten, they haven't covered that ground yet. They're still growing in that. And, and we, we need to work on that, you see. But, but we, we baptized Pat in his stead publicly. And what a joy it was to do that. I met with him on several occasions. He had deep, deep questions about the Bible. He's now serving a life sentence. He'll never get out of prison. But just because a grandma was willing, a life was changed. And if you are willing to go outside that little bubble, if you're willing to get outside the comfort zone, if you follow Jesus, follow the nudge, whatever that is, and you say, Lord, I'm ready, send them to me. And Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm open, send me to them. And if you're willing to pay the price, whatever it takes, great things are gonna happen for you. One time, uh, I went on a daddy-daughter date with my daughter, Hannah. She's been up here to Kingswood. Uh, she, she loves Kingswood. She thinks it's an awesome place. She's really mad that I'm here and she's not right now. But when she was little, we went on a daddy-daughter date. And then we decided to take a walk down Smith Creek. And there was a drought going on, so there wasn't any water. We could actually walk where the water used to be. And so we're, we're walking down Smith Creek, and, and we see this little puddle, like a mud puddle, and it looked like it was bubbling. And what's that? And so we come up, we take a look, and there are a whole bunch of minnows in that puddle. And they're flopping around and everything. And, and it's like shrinking. It's just really shrinking, the puddle is. And these guys aren't going to make it. And Hannah looks to me and she goes, Daddy, we got to rescue them. And I said, oh, no, I'm sure they'll be just fine. She goes, no, they won't be just fine. They're all going to die unless we do something. So well, what do you suggest that we do? Well, we got to get them to a place where they can swim. Well, how on the earth are we going to do that? We don't have anything. We, how are we going to take a minnow to somewhere where it's going to swim? She goes, well, we got to get something. So, so we ran as fast as we could. We hopped in the car, went back home. We got a, a, a big gulp cup kind of thing that we had 
head from the trash can or something. And we, we come back over, and I had a little goldfish net, and we, we dipped those minnows out. I think there were like, you know, 35 minnows in there. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, and we got them all, all filled up. We had a whole big cup full of minnows. And so we were on a mission. Like in Wisconsin, it is illegal to transport fish from one body of water to another. I mean, I could have gotten arrested and thrown in jail and Pat the jail minister would have come to visit me. <laughs> so here I was with the goldfish. Your hands got all the fish in the, the big gulp cup. And, and we made our way to the Namakagan River. And then, and Hannah just barrels down to the water's edge and she starts letting them go, just one at a time, just kind of pouring them out. Here you go, fishy, have a nice life, go get them. Be free, be free, go, fishy, go. Just let them all go. And then, and then we're on our way home and she's just beaming from ear to ear. She goes, Dad, I love this kind of fishing. And she said, and I thought, that's what evangelism is like that we see people who are lost and they're dying and they have no hope. But we can come along and we rescue them out of that little puddle of mud that they're in. They're stuck. They can't do it by themselves. But God sends us along and we rescue them and we take them into the living water of the Lord, the great river of life. We just let them go and then they're free and they can swim. Don't you love that kind of fishing? Well, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to lead you in prayer, and then uh, we're going to have a song as we finish out today. Just one thought for you. This is a way that you can pray uh, a prayer that you know is God's will. Like sometimes when I'm praying, I don't know for sure I'm praying God's will, like the grocery contest. I, I mean, Kathy felt that, that I didn't, and I didn't get it. I wasn't sure what to pray for and what not. Do you ever have trouble knowing what to pray for in certain situations and people and stuff? Uh, well, there's actually two ways to be sure you're praying God's will. One is to pray the scripture. And when you're praying the scripture, you're praying God's will because that's his word. His word is always his will. So you just pray the scripture for your loved ones and friends and stuff like that. But here's another way to pray God's will. And this has transformed my prayer life and help me to be a much better intercessor for people who are lost and broken and hurting. What I do is I ask God what his prayer list is. And so I say, Lord, who would you like for me to pray for? Who is somebody that's broken and hurting that just needs that extra touch? Could you place them on my heart? And then I'll pray them back to you. Because God already knows. So he places them on my heart, and I say, oh, yeah, I forgot about that person. Oh, thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, okay. All right, well, Lord, please be with them and help them. And I lift them up. And so what it is, it's sort of like the rain that comes down, and then there's condensation, and it goes back up. And that's the way it works. And it's cool. One time I was on a trip with my kids. We're on a long road trip. I said, kids, let's, let's try this kind of praying. Let's ask God who we should pray for. And then we'll just open it up. And when and God puts it on our heart, we just pray it back to him, right? That's, let's do that, okay? You're, are you in? And whatever you say, then we'll just join together in prayer. They go, okay, and they start praying. You know what happened? At first, they started out just with their buddies and stuff like that, you know, you know be with Charlie and be with Bill. Okay, okay, Lord, please do. Please. But then it just opened up into the supernatural thing where, where they began to speak out names of people they would never have thought of on their own. But there are people, for instance, in their congregation that they even, never even hardly knew. But I knew stuff that was going on in their lives that my kids would never know. But I knew exactly what was happening. I said, yes, Lord, they really need it. Yes, Lord. Yes, please, please help them. You know what happened? We prayed together, my kids and I, for, for two hours, two full hours praying. I, I, up, up until that point. It was like I was lucky to get in 25 seconds to 30 seconds before they started getting antsy in the prayer thing. They were engaged in prayer for two solid hours as we began to intercede for others. You see, it's, it's like a treasure right there. You see, what, what, is, what is close to God's heart that he speaks into our heart that we can bring back up to him? So we're gonna practice that right now. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes just for a minute. And Lord, 
Who is it that you would like for us to lift up? Somebody that needs you. They need your help. They need your hope. They need your strength. Tell us. And maybe it's not an individual. Maybe it's a, a part of the world or, or a group of people, a nation. Who is it that's on your heart? And now lift them up to the Lord. Lift them up to the Lord. And Father, from this place, Lord, we, we're just traveling the world with our prayers. Help us to hear it, to see it to know it. And whatever it is you prompt us to do, that's what we're going to do. We need you, Lord. We need your help. And Father, we pray that you would use us to be vehicles of your blessing through our prayers and through our presence, through our conversation. And Father, if there's an action that we need to take in response to what you've laid on our heart, um, help us to know what to do. And whatever it is you call us to do, we will do it. We will do it. And you are good all the time. Thank you, Father. We praise you. In Jesus' name. And all God's children said, amen. Did, but you got somebody, didn't you? Didn't, didn't God give you someone? Did it happen? Yeah. I encourage you to try that, particularly if you're bored on a road trip or something, or, or, or if you're if you're in your prayer time. Just just try it, because it opens up like when when I do that. Here's what happens: um, God will put people's names to me, and then what I'll do is I'll shoot them a Facebook message or an email or something like that. I say, you know, as I was praying, God laid you on my heart, and so I prayed for you. Uh, and I just want you to know, and almost always, they write back and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're not going to believe what was happening to me yesterday. I was going through the hardest time, and I could just feel strength, and wow, now I know why. I mean, this happens all the time. And so you can do that. This is real stuff. It's not just make-believe. It, it, it's the real deal, that, that God can really use you to bring blessing through prayer where you can't go physically. Isn't that amazing? What a joy. Well, hey. Let's do it. Where's the worship team? Let's do it. Let's just worship God with all of our hearts. Worship leads to holiness, and holiness leads to mission. So let's just give it all we got. What do you say? Hey, let's all stand together.